Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. I am Jared, and with me always... I am Zach. I Detective Zach today. Excellent. Yes, I am. We are here today. We're going to be talking about murder mystery investigations. And ironically, this may... Have we played a game longer than this? So in total, we played a bunch of the adventure games, and it ended up being about the same amount of time. But that was four but games. But it was four games. This is the longest game that we sat down and played the entire thing So in we one session. Murder Mystery Investigations, as of the recording of this, has two games. Yes. Zach and I learned how long each one would take, and we said, okay, for the first time ever, we're not all going to play all the content. So Zach took episode one and I took episode two and collectively we had about 20 hours of gameplay Oh yeah, with, with this game. So we have a lot to talk about. We're super excited about this episode, but hang with us. We're coming right back. And don't forget where you're listening today. This is the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. We're in a murder mystery vein today. That's one of the veins they operate in. Check out a Deadbolt game. But like I said, we'll be right back with you. Hey, I just got back from the mail. Looks like we've got a new game to play. Oh, really? What is it? It's the new Escape the Crate game. Oh, I've been excited about this one. I'm personally a little confused. Okay. The title on the box just says Hood Unit. Okay, can you spell that? W-H-O-D-U-N-I-T. Oh, it's Who Done It, Jared. Yeah, in the new Escape the Crate game, it's the Escape Who Done It. It's like a classic murder mystery, but with a twist ending. I mean, agree to disagree on pronunciation, and by the way, it's twist, not twist. Okay. But what you can do is go over to escape-the-crate.com and use code PUZZLINGCO, puzzling C-O, all one word, and you'll get 25% off your first subscription order or any single retired box that they have. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are here in the first part of the show to review the game, and we love to do this. Zach and I often say, you know, part of the game experience is talking about the game after you're done, and that's why we love this first section just so much. It's really just a debrief of our experience with it, and as I always say, and Zach says too, we're not here to bash anybody. These are just our opinions. We put a lot of time and thought into these, but at the end of the day, if you don't like us, that's okay, too. I'm going to roast you. Ro- yeah, it, it really ends up being more like just a big roast. Yeah. We just say all that to like ease you in and build your confidence. We're nice. And, and make you feel safe. And then we, and we destroy. Zach, there's so much to talk about with these games. There is about 20 hours of content to talk about, yes. Well, let me, let me tell you why there's 20 hours worth of content. So kind of the format of this game is it's all digital. It's all online. You guys heard the music. You know this is a digital episode. It is videos. It is notes. You can play this on your phone, your iPad. I recommend playing it on a PC. You should definitely play it on a PC. There's so much. But literally, I think if you watch every single video that's not involved in the hint system, that's at least three, maybe four hours of your time. Yeah, I think in from all the videos I watched, and I, I don't think I wrote it down, but I think I at least spent at minimum two hours watching videos. 
for the first chapter. And again, remember in this, I want to reiterate this. Zach played the first game. Zach, what was your game called? Mine was called Lockdown. And mine was called Family Ties. We'll yep. talk briefly, super overview of our narrative. But the way that this game works is you're presented in each case with 12 evidence folders. And each of those evidence folders has anywhere from 20 to 25 pieces of evidence in them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe a little less, but easily you're looking at over 200 to 250 pieces of evidence per case. And that is why this game is, I think maybe if you can scrub videos at like six to eight hours, men. For us, it took 10. For other reviewers, we know it took about 10. This is a beefy, beefy game, Zach. And I was enthralled by it. And then mm -hmm. at the end, you have six or seven, seven, eight, nine questions to answer. Yeah, mine was nine questions you have to answer to complete the game. And they're all multiple choice. So the right answers are there. And then from there, you get a rating, bronze, silver, gold, and the opportunity to view a video that wraps it all up for yep. you. And that's kind, of, that's kind of the format of the game. But wow, we man, like... Where do we start? Like, th this is just such a giant undertaking for a single review episode. Yeah, well, I think I know where I'm going to take us to. I'm going to take us to our first like of the murder mystery well, investigation. First, first, tell me your story. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. T give us a little bit of overview of, like, if you like this, go this route or like, like, t tell us a little bit about what happened in your story. Okay. Well, I will tell you what the story tells you in the very first chapter, and I will tell you nothing else, because I do not want to spoil all the yes. fun that happens later in the experience of this cold case. So you hear of a character called Charles Walensky, I think is how it's pronounced. I apologize if I get it wrong. But essentially, he is found dead outside of his cottage in the garden by his mother. And he has this weird marking on his forearm that has been related to other cases that other cold cases in the last 10 years. And the case gets reopened. And essentially, it is on you to figure out who the killer is and why it's all happening. Absolutely. And mine was called Family Ties. It carries a very prominent family that's a Lord family and a lot of deaths that were ruled suicides or accidental or what have you that you are asked to look back into because they're just too mysterious. And what unwinds is this crazy story through this singular family and it is super engaging. And, and that's where it starts, right, Zach? For, yeah. our, for our first thing that we really liked. Yeah, I was going to say that was the first thing I was going to jump into is the deep narrative. And I think it, I, in both our opinions, the great characters that were involved yes. in them. Mine had at least a minimum of about 10 characters. Um, I believe there was a total of eight suspects for mine because um, you get about two in each of the chapters up to chapter four. And then I gained no new suspects. It is just what happens from there. And then you have obviously all of the victims as it goes through on the case, as more people get murdered or things happen to them, you gain more information, but the narrative is pretty crazy. It starts off as pretty simple. And you trying to make the first connection of why in the heck did it even happen in the first chapter? But then you start gaining small narrative that goes like, Oh, maybe it's not as easy as it seems. And then you go down the rabbit hole that eventually leads you to crazy twists to learning more about who people really are, what they've done and why the events happened. Yeah. It, and I don't know how you felt, but I, I kind of really enjoyed seeing the investigators Yes, again and again. Like I was excited to journey with them because the game doesn't really put you as a character. I would say not really. No, you're, you're more so solving along, but you're not for the first time in a long term. Like I wasn't some type of contract employee, 1099 person. Like 
I was kind of this outside, like play along with what's going on type person. Was technically the detective in, I, I don't know if we have the same detective. I, I, I believe sure. we had, I believe we had one similar detective between both cases. Yes. Um, but essentially, yes, my detectives played all the game by themselves. I was more playing along as if I was gaining the same information they were yes. at the same time. And that, that was really interesting, but I really enjoyed the characters. What was really funny about this experience for Zach and I, as we sit down and we're like, okay, tell me your story. Spoilers, everything. Tell me your story. So Zach's telling me his, and I start talking a little bit of mine. And then we find out that, and I don't believe this is a much of a spoiler. There's a character that exists in both. Yep. And as me playing the second game, I said, that would have been so helpful. So know that there is some fun. I don't know if it's Easter egg or super helpful, but there is a character that exists in both. Yeah. And it sounds like we did. To be very clear, I never looked at his chapter to see if it's the exact same person. Yes. But we talked. I said a specific name, and, and he I said, said, "Oh, I had that character." I too. said, "Wait, say that name again." I had yeah. that character too. So I, we both believe that that character is involved in both, and it, it's hilarious hearing the narrative of yours how it connects to mine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm really intrigued by that. If there's a third one, I hope this character is in Keeps there too. Keeps showing up every yes, time. Yes, because I love that so much. But it was, I just can't express for a game how deep this narrative takes you. And partially it's because there is zero linear element to this game. Like imagine smashing a thousand piece puzzle, dividing it into 12 boxes and then individually reviewing each one of those boxes. Yeah. I mean, my narrative went anywhere from, I started out in 2020 to going down to like the seventies and eighties. And then I go all the way back to 1920 and then I go to 1945 and then I jump back to 1980. And then I basically end in modern day, but it, I gained was each of your section like that. No, it's just, you gained information in mine that made a connection to an older part of history and was like, Oh, that's interesting that you found this language found in the case. Why would it be said like that? And you go, okay. And then you would look up a translation for that language and you'd go, oh, and you're like, okay. And then there's this abbreviation for a word that you're like, I, that sounds familiar. And you look it up and you're like, that's important to history back like in the 1920s. And mm. it just evolves into this. What I love about these things in most murder mystery games, but specifically in this one, I love that it seems like just a basic narrative at first. Same. And then it unravels to become this 80 year old history lesson of a, you know, insert event, as well as this group of people and or the killer themselves and what they're truly trying to achieve slash stop. Agreed. Agreed. And and what makes that good is there the second like that we want to talk about is there's just so much content. And, and I think for some people, we're going to talk about this a little more in the room for improvements. I think this is potentially an overwhelming undertaking for some people who are like, oh, I love to play a murder game. Hold up. Like, let's really talk about what you're getting into when you play this game. There's but, a million things to do. But for us, I loved it because in so many other murder games, they are designed for a shorter time frame, and it's very clear very quickly what's what. Yep. I did not feel this way because of the amount. I, at times, I did feel overwhelmed. But again, it's chaptered. Yep. It's sectioned very well. And I can appreciate a lot of content, but I just, even after hearing other people talk about this game, I was not prepared for how much content it is. But at the end of the day, it's a like for me. Yep. Oh, I think the amount of content's awesome, especially for, I know we sometimes don't like to talk about the value of a product oh, versus the amount of content, yes. but specifically the amount of money you pay for this game versus the amount of content you get is astronomically insane compared to other games you play. 10 pounds, 12 to 13 US dollars, 
10 hours of gameplay. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Duh. Yeah, I think we talked about the same thing when we were talking about adventure games. Like, yeah. if you're looking for extended adventures, your bang for your buck is 100% here, here. Oh, yeah, it's just crazy the amount of content. Now, I will say, and I and I don't want to do this so that people play the game differently than you want to. You should play the game how you want when you play this game. Yes. One of the things that helped me with the feeling of feeling overwhelmed with the amount of content is that... When you look through the system, it does show you the end. Um, and I don't mean the, I mean, obviously there's like a hand system, stuff like that. But specifically, there is the test you have to take at the end of the game. And what I really liked about it, and I know when I talked to Jared, Jared did this later in the experience than I did. Yes. I found it very early on and I was like, okay, so these are the nine questions I have to answer. It actually really helped me streamline my experience in terms of answering those questions as I played along. Because, I mean, obviously it was multiple choice, so I could see all the suspects, but I mean, I got introduced to eight suspects. So like when there's like eight different, like eight different people as the answers to a multiple choice question, it doesn't spoil anything for me. It's more now like, okay, these are the things that I should try to look for and remind myself as I play this game. Yes. And it made it a lot easier for me to streamline it and enjoy it and not feel overwhelmed with like, I have no idea what's going on, but I just have a million narratives going on. And that's super interesting because I believe that I told you I didn't look at mine till about chapter eight. Yeah. And that's just because at chapter eight, everybody could have been the murderer. Well, like, it just starts unraveling yeah. so much that you gain almost so it, much information. It feels overwhelming. Yes, it, it can fracture so many different ways that it had to be like, okay, like I'm just going to take a look at the ending prompt. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will garner something from there. And I agree with you. That did help. But I think it's a great point to point out to our listeners, play this game. If you want to be woefully and helplessly Alice in Wonderland lost, don't look at the questions till the very end. Yep. If you really need some boundaries, I think boundaries is a good word. Mm -hmm. Then I would say, look at it early on and it will helpful. But either way, we both sat down and we had a lot to talk about in a very good way. Yeah. And that leads up to our third, like, and this, I enjoyed this so much, but it is, there is the aha moment. Yep. And then there are the aha moments. Okay. And yeah. what I mean by that is I think this is a great game to metaphorically talk about the crime board and connecting the red strings. There are moments in the game where you make those connections like this to this and it feels so good because there's so much content. Yeah. You're like, in, I found the needle in the haystack. This game makes you feel that way. And then when you get the big reveal, you're just like, dang, mm -hmm. like that is dope. And here's what's interesting about Zach and I's experience that we talked about. And Zach, correct me if I'm wrong. You had your the aha moment, your big aha moment playing the game. I did not feel like I got my big aha moment, even though I got most of my test correct until I was watching the thing and I was like, oh, I totally missed that. But how rewarding is that now that that was in there the whole time? And it, it, like, like we talk about with like a puzzle that's really good that you take the hint and you're like, oh, dang, like, yeah. But, but t tell me about your aha moments. I'll, t I'll talk a little bit more about mine. Spoiler. No, I'm just kidding. I won't spoil <laughs> it. Um, yeah, mine came around chapter eight or nine, I believe, in the experience, if I'm not mistaken. You gain a lot of information about a certain character that is introduced very early on um, that is kind of not the main for... Not to spoil. There's obviously the Charles Walensky character you meet instantly, and then obviously you're going to learn about the other murders slash things that happen over time, as well as characters involved with Charlie or Charles Walensky. There is some setup that I, in my opinion, I basically figured out who did it early. 
but they do a really good job of making me not actually know the, the motive. Yes. Because at first it, they set it up as like, oh, well, the, the motive's probably this. You should guess that. And then you get through it and you go, oh, well, that's exactly not what I expected the narrative to be. And it, it was really well done. So that, that was like my first like, oh, this is different. But then specifically, I think it's in chapter nine, you've been gathering this information about this language and like, because I don't want to spoil you gain a lot of information and you haven't figured out the full connection yet. And then they tell you about a character and they're like, well, we don't like have this record of this. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 wait. And then the next chapter, I opened up the thing. There's a picture of this character, but younger. And I went, oh my gosh, it all adds up. I was like, okay, now this makes sense about this narrative and the timeline and how that would be connected to this. And I was like, wow, I, uh, this is an interesting narrative twist. And I was like, now it all makes more sense. And then, like I said, the last two chapters, like, confirm it. They go like, yeah, everything you just figured out, it's all going to add together now. And it was really cool to have that moment and be like, because like I said, I had, ga I had gathered like 90% of the information, but I was missing the one connection. And then it mm. showed it to me and I was like, this is sick. I, in my experience, I felt like I went through all 12 evidence folders and I was doing my best to keep track of things. But I said, like, let's just see it all. Yeah. So I felt like my first run through of the game was like, let's spread all of the information out on the table. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't start making the aha moments until I said, okay, I'm going to go back and just look at the videos again, or I'm just going to look at the images again. Mm -hmm. And then I started slowly because again, this world is so expansive and so big. I was like, oh, okay, that's the relationship between these two people. That is the reason this happened for that. Yep. And then you start, you almost start making your own 12 boxes of information again, connecting the dots. But it was really in for interesting for me that I made it through the game. And I know you said like, you got a 95 on your test. I got a 95 on my test. Yeah, not a big deal, but we're joint, uh, senior joint, detectives with the gold. Joint humble brag by Puzzling Company. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. But my big like, th there was a really big reveal in my game as in terms of the killer's MO that... I did not get until I watched the video at the end. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so good. And, and, and if you're smart enough to pick it up during it, I think that's the big aha moment. I didn't get it until the video at the end. And then I was like, wow, that's deep. That's amazing. That's so good. But I, I think that's just a strong point of the game is, is the game format really allows you to enjoy all of the solves. Whereas I think a lot of the other games that we play push you way harder, like funnel you signpost you, whatever you want to call it way harder into that type of interaction. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. I, it's a really special game. I, I just really enjoyed it. And now I want to kind of transition us into a room for improvements. And these room for improvements are kind of funny for me too, because I feel like a lot of them are going to be like, I didn't enjoy this, but it is still, it's a really good thing. Yeah. I, I think all of the room for improvements we have are not actual, like really big critiques. They're no. more like they are very cool in terms of how they are designed, but how they function yes. is in my opinion, could be better. Let's talk about that. So kick us off with the first one. What was your first room for improvement? This is the one I felt the most. And I'm going to talk to Jared. He had agreed with me was the UI's specific design and like breakdown and how it functions within 
the experience. Because it is web-based, right? Yes. So to explain it, um, they do explain, do a really job in the frequently asked questions and on their websites of how the game actually plays. So they explain how the functions work with all the evidence. They explain how the suspects work, how the hint quote-unquote system works, and how the notes and your board work. Yes. Um, Which we haven't talked about yet. Yes. So... They're very cool in terms of the design. I mean, you literally get a board where you connect pieces of information together. You almost get to do the literal adding the red like tape or red tape, red like string between the two. You can add it all in there. You can title it. They have a note system where you can add pages and label each page specifically and add notes. It's really cool in terms of how it's creatively designed. Like it, it seems authentic. Yes. However, my only mini frustration with it while playing the game is that when you want to do those things, so as an example, when you're looking in the evidence folders and you want to add something to your board, it is going to, you have a button that says like add to your board and then ask like which board you want yes. to add it to. It's really, really great for organization. Great. However, you click it and it takes you to the page where the board is and it mm. takes you away from everything you just did. And then you have to click back and then, and mind you, this is like, 10 second process to go back to where you were. But you do it a lot. But you're going to do it a lot. It, it's kind of awkward being like, I'm going to click on this and then it's going to send me back to that page. And now I have to awkwardly go reopen chapter three and go down in the evidence, scroll down a little bit, find it, and then redo what I was doing. And it just happens so much that it, it feels unfortunate because it keeps taking me away from what I was trying to keep looking at. So what I ended up basically doing after I took notes for like like the first chapter or two is I basically just started doing it on my own notebook, like on my desk. And yeah. I, I took personal notes because I was tired of clicking on it, going to this other webpage, trying to, and I tried doing it too, where I opened an additional webpage on my second monitor to try to maybe limit that. But it's still the same thing. It ends up every time I want to add something, it's still going to go to that page. It's the equivalent in my book of if you're putting an attachment on your email and then, you know, when you put your attachment on Windows, it opens up the folder system. Yeah. It's my equivalent of, Okay, then it closes out your email. Yep. Like, okay, attachment, yeah. attach file. Sorry, you got to go back and reopen your entire email. Yep. And and I agree because the system is so good, the notes, the all the different boards that you can make, that's really ingenious. I think it's a simple software web thing where she can joy the creator who we're going to get to meet can go and say like this just isn't as clean or friendly. Let's make a way to where oh, like store now and look now or like put this on my board for later. Well, yeah, I, I almost was wanting it to when it says like add to board, it would just add it to my board and it wouldn't take me away. I could just go and like yeah. open my board on another monitor and it would just be there. Yes, I agree. Instead of always I totally love that. back to like it. Like when you put something in Dropbox or yeah. Google Drive or something like that, totally think that would be, yeah, that that's what we're talking about. Kind of feeds into the, the second thing, which I want to talk about, which is the hint system, which we really liked. It was tiered in a manner and it was very immersive. It, it wasn't just like, oh, hey, here's your hints, da, da, da. The way that they did it, they were called chapter summaries, right, Zach? Yes. There was one per your each of the 12 evidence folders that you have. And the way that they tiered is the first one was always a video with the investigators very broadly talking about things. The next one was notes from the investigator that were a little more specific. And then the third one was a spreadsheet with very detailed everything that was in that evidence folder and if they had information or whether there was either a check or an X about whether it was pertinent, very detailed. It, 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 was, very, it was very helpful along the journey if you decided to use it. But there was still some stuff in there that if you had a question about it, there was no way to get an answer about it until the end of the game. Agreed? 
Yeah, I agreed. It did a good job of, and what I liked about their hint system too, I don't remember if you said this specifically, but it it is given in a format that it tells you what evidence is useful. Yes. And it goes into detail and kind of adds notes from like the detectives being like, yeah, this is clearly telling you this is very important. Like you shouldn't make note of this. And I liked that a lot, but there were times that I was like, okay, I got 99% of the information, but I feel like I don't have a full answer to why this was correct or incorrect. And I basically never figured that out. Like because of the, how the hint system works, it yes. doesn't clearly state like, yes, um, insert character. We're going to call him Jimmy. Jimmy doesn't exist in this, but I'm just making up a character. Jimmy did it. Now, obviously there's some things like that in the hint system that they did a good job of being like, yeah, that's basically the solution. But then there were some of them where you're like, yeah, they never fully explain why that makes sense. Mm. It's kind of you. They give you like 80% of the information, they, but they never state like, yeah, Jimmy did it. You know, and you're like, okay, I wish I could kind of at least at some point figure that out. Even when I watched the video, I still feel like I didn't get that full answer. That's fair. My, mine was a, a code that you had to break. Yeah. And I was just looking for like a nudge on where can I, where can I get some signposting or like a start yeah. on this code. Code was referenced many times, but they never gave you a whole lot to go on. Mm-hmm. So I, I took my shot at the end knowing what that code would eventually get you to, but not really yep. knowing how it worked. And I kind of look back and be like, oh, I, I kind of wish there was some hinting. So I feel like on some specific things, like you were saying, a little more within the immersive hint system that they built could be really helpful. Yeah, mine wasn't specifically who did, well, it was a who did it thing, but it was not, it wasn't about the serial killer specifically, but it was another murder that happens. And they give you like 90% of the information of like, this isn't like the other murders and this is what was used. And then you can infer who did it as well as you have information kind of explaining why they would want to do it, but they never fully state like, Oh yes, Jimmy did it with this. And this is like the connection between Jimmy having the item that it did it with, you know? And I, Mm. and I kept getting, I was struggling with it being like, okay, I know who could have done it, but there's nothing clear. Even when I tried looking at the like Ken system later after I, I finished the game and I scored my score, I still didn't ever figure out like if that was fully correct. Like it was just kind of like, okay, like, I mean, I got everything else correct. I'm not going to worry about this too much. Yeah. Not com- yeah. I, I felt the same way. Um, I, but again, really creative one, especially in the crime world, one of the better hint systems that I've seen in terms of its immersive involvement, it very, creative. very yeah. creative. I really enjoyed that. I think it just needs a little bit more for answering some of those questions that you're specifically wondering about. Yeah. And the last thing, Zach, let's talk about, cause I really don't have another room for improvement. Let's talk about ultimately who this is for. Who would you say like, you will love this game if. I just think if you like other style of murder mysteries, I think this is your jam. I, I, I mean, there are many, obviously there are many people who like these, the murder mystery, style of games is probably one of the most popular, if not the the most popular in terms of most at home games. Yes. Um, it's pretty crazy. If you want something more, it's, I wouldn't say this is the most difficult game, but if you want way more content or want to explore more, I think this is for you. It's just a lot of really cool content to mess with and try to wrap your mind around. Um, and then it lets you literally play as a cold case detective. Like, you're going to have to make the connections. And like you said, you can play it however you like. You can play with knowing the questions ahead of time. Or as I think it's supposed to be played realistically, you could just go into the dark and try to look at 250 pieces of information and make all the connections. And when you get to the test, go like, okay, let's see how well you remember it all. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I don't know if it's, I don't think this is like the first game I give to somebody. Oh, I, I absolutely would not want to. Cause I would feel like if I was at new, I mean, even after we've played so many, 
the amount of content there was, I got overwhelmed at first. Yes. But, you know, like I said, I was able to find out a way to keep it clean for me. But there was, if I, sh I literally showed this to some of the other employees at Murph Show Escape Rooms and I said, look what's all in this. And they went, what? And I was like, clearly, like they have some experience in the in the world. But if I just showed someone 12 files with like 20 pieces of information east and said, okay, make the connections. I don't think anyone's going to be, I wouldn't say that people aren't, aren't static, but it is a lot to throw yeah. at someone and be like, figure it out. Yeah, I think you have to enjoy crime. Oh, you have to. Yeah. If you love crime. I think if you're like more of an escape room person, this game might be a little bit of a turnoff to you. And you just have to enjoy the hunt. I think that's the biggest thing is yeah. you have to enjoy the sifting, the connection making. And if you can say that you enjoy that, then this game is a gym, yeah. an absolute gym. If you enjoy those things for the average puzzler, maybe in chapters, this is an enjoyable game for them, but not as a binge. This we is also a lot to binge. It felt, mind you, Jared and I played it a little bit differently. I played mine in about two sessions. I played six hours of it in one session and four in the other. And man, doing six hours a lot. of content back to back to back was a lot. It and was then, totally a lot. And then trying to finish it in another four hours. I, If I had more time to play the experience, mind you, because I will be honest, we did play this so that we could record it in the time we wanted to. Yeah, so we played it we in were, about a week's week's notice. Yeah, so we were, I wouldn't say rushed, but I felt like I was trying to, with how busy I, my schedule is, get it done in the time period I wanted. I did have to do a bunch of it at a time, and it felt like a lot. Like, it would be nice if I, let's say, I played this over a month. Like, I could do two chapters, make all my notes, take, like, a, a few-day break, come back, do a few more chapters, do, like, an hour or two, take a break. See, but I'm almost glad that I did it in a week because... Due to the amount of information, I feel like I would have had to been either highly organized or I would have forgotten because even I played the first one, I did the first folder, yep. I did it with my wife, hmm. and then I didn't touch the game for three or four days. Yep. And then I came back and I was like, wait, what happened? Right? Like, yeah, I think it depends on the person. Not, not against you, Jared. I'm definitely more organized than you are. So it How was dare, very easy. How for dare me. you? How oh, dare If you guys can let see me visual. see, let me see your folder system and I will show you my folder system on the, on yours the UI. Wasn't, yours wasn't that bad. It was pretty good, but just be real. I'm more, I'm more organized than you it's are. It's true. It's true. I will admit it. I will admit it. Well, let's see. Let's see how you carry your high horse into our second section of the show, Zach. Let's see. We'll be right back. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Man, I'm just really enjoying Deadbolt Mystery Society games lately. They're just giving me a real sense of nostalgia. Yeah, I've been really enjoying them. My favorite part about them is they just feel balanced. You get a little bit of an escape room, a little bit of a murder mystery. It kind of reminds me of those cartoon TV shows I grew up on. Same. There's one I'm specifically thinking of. It kind of involves a dog and some humans in it. Oh, the Jetsons. I love that show. Okay, close but wrong. No, they kind of like solve mysteries together. Oh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay, they don't solve mysteries. Courage literally does random things. Jared, I was specifically trying to tell you it's Scooby-Doo. That doesn't sound right. No, 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 Blue's Clues. Okay, they are solving puzzles and mysteries, but no, 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 no. I'm talking about Scooby-Doo. Well, at least the good thing for our listeners is if you like adult Scooby-Doo, you can play a Deadbolt Mystery Society game. And when you want to go purchase one, you can put in the promo code PC15 for 15% off subscriptions and single one-time boxes. No, I've got it. It's Air Bud. Jared, that's a real-life dog. That's not even animated, and he doesn't even solve crimes. 
Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now here in the second section that is Puzzles for the People, brought to you by the Deadbolt Mystery Society Studio. If you haven't played a Deadbolt game, you totally should. In this second section of the show, this is uh, a lot of fun. Um, we get to talk about the game itself. We get to talk about reviews from the game sometimes. We sometimes look them up on Amazon, see what people have to say. We sometimes get people's responses from like the community. And then sometimes it's just a time for Jared and I to discuss a topic and kind of go back and forth and see what, if, if we agree or disagree with the topic. I actually don't know what we're talking about today. Luckily, last week I got to know. Um, but Jared, would you like to tell me what we're going to be talking about today? No, I'll just, we'll sit here until you guess. Okay. <laughs> Uh, murder mysteries nope online murder mysteries nope we're going non-linear games non-linear experiences okay yeah Yeah. that's where we're at today because this was the ultimate this is very non-linear non-linear experience and we've talked about this in some other crime games where they're they're almost forcing you to build the linear element right so that you can make sense of it like that's how i gained a lot of traction in my game i was like pause write out dates but that's neither here than there We've talked about purely linear games. Yep. There are also multi-linear games and there are non-linear games. And there's a host of other, you know, if you really want to get deep into puzzle flow and puzzle format, you could really dig into all of the different archetypes of moving people through a game. This game thrives on the chaos and yet the order of non-linear games. So talk to me a little bit about what made this work as a nonlinear experience, first of all. And then I kind of want to move into what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of creating a nonlinear experience? Yeah, I mean, this is a nonlinear experience. What I think is very interesting about it and why it works in a murder mystery and style game is that you're just gathered, you you gain a lot of information and it's kind of in you to connect all the dots in terms of the timeline. Um, They do tell you in this game, like what the timeline kind of is, uh, but you gather more information. Like it is, I'm going to say it this way. It is technically linear in terms of the chapters. It does tell you like what info you gain first, but it is not linear in terms of the actual timeline. But what I think why it works in most murder mysteries is that most murder mysteries, especially if it's a cold case, you're not stuck in one time period. You're Mm. looking at time overall. And then it's what most murder mysteries do well, unraveling the secrets, right? No, most average murder mystery games don't go, okay, Jimmy did it. That's the case. Congratulations. You won chief. You know, you can think of movies, you can think of shows, you can think of other games or murder mystery style. Part of the fun is learning the secrets and how it destroys lives. So in in my specifically, you know, you're in 2020, it doesn't seem crazy. You know that there is, in the last 10 years, there's been some stuff going on because of the murders, but you have no real connection outside that. But then as the game goes on, you go like, okay, we're going back to the 1920s and 40s to gain more information. And, you know, you had info about like, okay, he's obviously older. And they are rambling about something that's kind of a little weird for current day. And you gather all the information. And what I think is really cool is making the timeline. And why it works specifically is that it's, I think it's one of the biggest aha moments in Murder Mysteries is when you can make all of the connections where you can go, Mm. oh, that's the actual timeline. Because in mine, as an example, you know, you have certain characters getting killed off earlier than others but then you find out that technically they got killed off later or you know like you go like oh like this character that i introduce they don't die and then they you find out they die like four chapters later but technically it's not much later than the actual murder that they were involved in and you're like oh my gosh like okay i have to reorganize this in my head and figure out how it all works and what it also i think is nice about it is that it lets you play how you want and gather all the information at any time yep and then let you figure out how you want to deal with it 
Because I think when it's a linear game, sometimes what can be, because your second question, basically like why it works, why versus like linear experiences, linear experiences do limit you to what you can gather and deal with at a time. You know, I know we've played some murder mysteries where their linear experiences were like, they give you a question at first and they go, okay, yeah. you need to find these two pieces of evidence and make sure it makes sense. Yeah. And you do it and then you do the next chapter and you gain more evidence and you pick the, you answer the two questions they ask while this game goes, if you look at it, here's the nine questions you have, try to figure out how you yes. gain all this information. And then it's on you to read through 12 chapters and make those connections. And it, it's just nice because I felt like I could answer any of those questions at any moment I wanted to. And also you like the first question on the test is technically something you don't learn until chapter like 11. So it's not like you can just read chapter one and two and learn like what answer one is. You have to go read everything and then go back. It's really fascinating because what I, what I was hearing you say is like nonlinear works really well in this narrative world. Yeah, it just it just does, because what, especially in a cold case, you're going back through time and the puzzles, quote unquote, of a murder mystery game are. How does this piece of information connect to this piece of information? It's the deductive reasoning. Like right. It's making all those connections. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then that becomes a lot of fun. The hard part, and this is kind of moving into a question that I want to talk to you about, is like the difficulties of nonlinear things, I think sometimes are starting points. Yep. And this is from my own experience. We have a game at Murfreesboro Escape Rooms called High Noon. Yep. It's 100% nonlinear. It works really well, I think. I think one of the advantages of nonlinear games is you can put multiple, like you can put a bigger group in a nonlinear experience. Well, there's more things that do, and right. that's really nice. And I think it works the exact same way in this game because you can play this with other people. Um, they do offer a way of like you can play Zoom with this and everyone can log in. It lets everyone be able to do different things at different times. Like, yes. like if Jared and I played this, we technically could both go at different parts of the game and be like, Jared's going to read, like, he's doing chapter one. I'm doing, like, we talk, like, on Discord or on, like, Zoom while I'm doing chapter two, and I gain information. And then we, we can go through different chapters at different times and gather more info. Or do the crazy thing of, like, I don't think you should do it this way, but if I started at chapter 12 and you did one, and you're like, I met, I met Charles, and I go, oh, I figured out who did it. <laughs> you know, that'd be funny. But it just lets you gather the information in any way you want, but gives everyone something to do. And I think the only thing that it doesn't do well in terms of nonlinears, like you said, is a starting point. There's just so much available, you don't know where to go. It's overwhelming. Or, or how to deal with it. Like you can go start a chapter one, but you're like still like, okay, there's like 20 things of evidence. Like what, what matters right now? And you'll read it all and you take some of it. And then some of it doesn't matter. Like even the game tells you like, that's kind of the throw you off like that. Like it's an interesting side narrative that's kind of happening. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's not going to help you solve the case. It's on you to figure out like it's not important. And it just, it feels hard in the moment because you just kind of are like wanting to figure out how it all makes sense or like how you're supposed to do it. Absolutely. And, and that's, what's difficult. Like if, if I'm thinking about high noon, we put people in there and the onboarding is difficult because in so many other games, it's like, what's my starting point in our other games, we hand people the first puzzle. I was saying, some of them, we tell you what the first, we, puzzle we is. say like, Hey, start right here. And that's part of signposting. That's part of onboarding. But in this in games like high noon, it's just like play. Yeah, like, and it, go, go and go and, ex and play. And, and as a larger group or as someone who doesn't want to be handed a linear pathway, you'll enjoy that. And we do have like a way to hint people in high noon of like, this is the first thing you should do specifically so that you can do all of the stuff. Right. And every, and every puzzle does have a signpost if you're paying attention. Oh yeah. The game clearly, our high noon does clearly state like, oh, 
this this lock is clearly indicated with this thing in the room. Like, yes. You have to do that to do with this. And it works well. But I mean, there's so many groups we have that are like new players that play that room or like not as well experienced. And they go in and they're like, they call like almost a meeting. They're like, okay, I did the first thing you told us to do. Now I have no idea. Like out of the other 10 things, what it, do I do? It's convincing them out of a single pathway mindset. But here, here's the other thing that I personally do not like about nonlinear games. Okay. And I think that we potentially would have been frustrated about if we had played this experience together. Okay. I don't like missing out on puzzles or in an escape room or like even last we played um, Emerald Flame was the last game we reviewed. Yeah. And you and I, we get it. We know that hey, you're going to do this and then you'll explain it to me. Yeah. And that's okay. But there is a FOMO that comes with nonlinear games in my experience because, or even multi-linear games, yeah. because I've paid to experience this and inevitably in a nonlinear multi-linear game, I'm going to miss out on working on that puzzle or doing this. And I'll be real, sometimes I don't like that. Oh, I actually have a great story about this weekend um, at Murphy's Royal Escape Rooms. I had a group play High Noon. It was a group of four, um, very experienced group. Um, they completed the game with 10 minutes left, but one of the people was quite upset with the experience, not in terms of that they were like, I want to refund or anything like that, but they had basically voiced their opinion to me. They were like, I basically spent 30 minutes trying to solve this one puzzle and I missed everything else. And they got, and they're like, not the game's fault and not your fault, but this is like one of my least favorite experiences because I didn't get to do all the things all my friends did. Mm. And I talked to them about it and they were like, I said, at the end of the day, they were not upset at me or like the game itself. They were just like, like you literally said, it is the thing of, I spent 30 minutes trying to do this one more difficult puzzle. And then I realized I missed the other 30 minutes of the experience that everyone else got to do because they all were able to achieve it like more together while like the one person was doing the thing by themselves. And, and that is frustrating. Like it does suck sometimes to play like an escape room and feel like I didn't do as much in the game. And then you're like, mm -hmm. well, I paid like 25 bucks. And basically like when we've played escape rooms, there's times that I feel like I do more and there's times that Jared does things. And I'm like, like we went on a trip a few months ago and we played a game, we played some of the rooms in Kentucky and there was one room specifically that I felt like I literally did one puzzle and I did nothing else. And it frustrated me so much because I felt like I was useless and I did nothing. Yes. And I was so mad after the game, not because of, like I said, my the people I was playing with, I really enjoy hanging out with the people I was playing with, but it was like the game as well as the nonlinear function of it. Like just right. being like, but the opposite end of that is linear games that have 10 people in them. Oh, they suck because you're basically, I say suck is it's a harsh word. And I'm talking escape rooms at home, but like I, you went and played another game locally here in the Nashville area recently that yep. was more linear. And you told me it was terrible. People were sitting around. Well, yeah. Cause it's the game is advertised as a, um, up to eight players or something. And we played with like seven and the game realistically only functions with three. Yeah. There's only enough like space for three people to do a puzzle at most at any time. And nothing was more frustrating than sitting. I basically to let other people play the game. I sat the last 15 minutes with two other employees that I went with. And we basically did all our funds and, and then literally talked about how we did not like sitting down for 20 minutes of the game. So it's that, hard. Yeah. It's it's not hard. And, and I think that's why I enjoy these conversations because like, it's kind of a you can't win situation. Like, oh yeah, if you play linear, multi-linear, you have to know that you are sacrificing something to accomplish X goal. And if you do that, then you really need to like hit that hard. And I think that's one of the high points of this game is they said, okay, we're going to tell a non-linear story, mm. and this is the way to do it. Like, don't tell a non-linear story and give me three pieces of information in each evidence box. 
right? Like you better swing for the fences. And they did and it worked and it was so chaotic. And when it came together, it was so beautiful that that paid off for me. And that's, that's what I really wanted to dive into is this, what, what is great about a nonlinear game? And I think we've hit on a couple. It's, you can have a lot of people doing it with the caveat of if everybody is on board with the, uh, you know, ho, ho, go team, like, I don't need to be the star of everything. Mm-hmm. If, if that's not your bag, don't play nonlinear games because you will miss out on aspects of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think it can also lend to longer experiences sometimes, mm-hmm. as, as we saw here, because connecting the dots in a nonlinear game can take a lot of different things. Give me one more thing as we kind of close out this middle section, like cheerleading nonlinear games. We've said many people, we've said time can be a little bit more. What was one more thing to reiterate saying like, this is why I like nonlinear games. I think just being able to play it your own style, like playing it, playing it your own way. Cause it is on you. Like, like when you play and not like when we play like this game from ones is that you can literally go, I can start with the final puzzle first in terms of like, it, like in high noon, you get like 12, like 10 locks presenting to you. And I can, I could go to 10 first and then I can go in the other area and do this one next. It feels like I don't, I'm not forced to play it a certain way. It's agency. Yeah. It's freedom. I think that's a really great point. That's, that's really good. I like that. You're a genius, Zach. Thank you. That's going to wrap us up for Puzzles to the People again here in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. We'll be right back with you. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Hey, everyone. Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've done this for local police departments, federal agencies, and we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. Those stories have great twists and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Welcome back to Puzzling Company here in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. If you haven't tried a Deadbolt game, check it out. And our middle ad has a discount code in it, which you should totally listen to that ad and pull it and go buy either a subscription or a single box. But right now we are going into our section called Questions for Creators. Our creator today, I already mentioned her. Her name is Joy Swift. She is a baller. I like her a lot. I had a Really good time as did that getting to talk and get to know her better. She's an OG man. Yep. I will just say this now. I'm surprised more people in escape room immersive theaters are not talking to this lady because she found her roots in the eighties and I'm just putting it out there. This is someone worth talking to for a lot of different reasons, Mm -hmm. but let's jump right in. Let's get to know her. 
and enjoy her wealth of information. Joy, I know your background. We talked about where you grew up, what you were doing in the hotel industry and all of these things. How does that how does that lean into or how did you find your way or did any of those things inspire you into doing your murder mystery weekends? Well, I think my love of murder was when I was about 12, 13, and I started reading Agatha Christie. And I read all her books. And then I also discovered um, somebody from New Zealand called Nio Marsh and uh, loved her as well. And then I just read the books and I thought that was that. I didn't think that was, you know, a deep-grained interest that I had. I just loved the books. And I started working for a chain of hotels in PR and marketing. And my job was to get bums in beds, as we technically called it. And I'd, I'd just done a weekend with a famous gardener in the UK and going round in a coach visiting gardens with lots of people in their 70s that love gardening, which I didn't because I was in my 20s. And I thought, oh, well, it was fun for them, but I was bored to death. And about a week or two later, I was driving to work in a 20-minute drive and I heard on the radio about a shooting in New York in the plaza. And my immediate thought in PR was, oh, my God, wouldn't that be awful? And we'd get lots of bad press and people wouldn't come to the hotel. And then within that 20 minutes, the light bulb went on. And I thought, actually, for the guests that were in the hotel at the time, it would be quite scary, quite exciting. And then when the police arrived, they'd be asking them lots of questions and they'd be witnesses. And then just suddenly the light bulb went on and I thought, wouldn't it be great to be dropped into an Agatha Christie type movie? and be able to interrogate and ask the questions, because so often you watch a film and they don't ask the obvious questions, because if they got the answers, the plot would be done and dusted. And I thought quite often you're frustrated because you can't learn all the things that you want to learn. So I went into work and I said to my boss, I think I've had a really good idea. Um, why do we have a murder weekend? And he said, what on earth are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, people could book to come and sleuth. And, and he thought it was a rubbish idea. And then I went above him because I still thought it was a good idea. And I went to the chairman of the company who was in the same building as me. And I said, I've had a daft idea. It's really off the wall, but I think it might be fun. And I also think we'll get publicity. So I told him about it. And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I spent about six months working on it. I went to a local crime writer to write me a plot. And when it arrived, it was rubbish. So I rewrote that. I got some local and dram actors and... um, we put it together on this one weekend and it was Halloween weekend. So Halloween is all always our anniversary. And I asked our local paper, which was called the Liverpool Post and Echo, and they sent a, a photographer and a journalist on the Sunday morning. And we did the sort of body on the floor with all the guests looking surprised and did all the sort of standard photos. And that was the end of that. I was absolutely shattered. But the guests were really happy. They'd had a nice time. And then um, on the Tuesday, I took the Monday off. On Tuesday, I went into work and the telephonist said, you're going to be busy today. And I said, why? She said, you'll see when you get to your desk. And when I got to my desk, there was just a pile of messages. Would I ring the New York Times? Would I ring uh, the Daily Mail, which is our biggest paper? Will I ring um, a, a, a local sort of news program on television? But most importantly, could I ring the BBC holiday programme, which was an absolutely massive holiday programme? So I rang them all, and of course, they all wanted to know when the next one was going to be. And I hadn't planned the next one, so I hurriedly arranged another one. 
And on that one, we had a journalist from the New York Times, a journalist from the Daily Mail, and it wasn't a travel writer. It was an investigative journalist, and he was doing it like a proper investigating the murder. So we got onto page three. We weren't even in the back travel pages. It was amazing. But the BBC holiday programme producer, that we, we got quite drunk together on Saturday night, and he was very fanciable, and I was chatting him up, and he said, Joy, when this goes out on the holiday programme, he said, it's going to take off. He said, if you take my advice, form your own company and go on, go on your own. So I was 25 and I was thinking, oh, I've got a company car. I've got a good job, good salary. But I don't know what possessed me, really, because I'm not a particularly a risk taker. But I, I did and um, worked from home and, you know, borrowed my mother's car all the time. And and there you go. The, t- the second one happened. It was filmed by the BBC Holiday Programme. We'd already got a lot of interest because of the Daily Mail article, but the New York Times article, the next one, it was covered by ABC and CBS News. And I had two film crews, I've never worked for film crews, two of them vying for the best position and wanted to put up spotlights in different places. And it was head spinning, it really was. But uh, we went, we ended up getting on our breakfast TV and loads of press coverage around the world. And that was 40 years ago, well, 40 years ago, and I've never done anything since except this. It's it's ruled my world for sure. So, Joy, we know you've been doing the Murder Mystery Weekend since the early 80s, and to kind of go more into that and learn more about it, did you have anyone else like in the contemporary space that was doing kind of the same things as you, or was it mostly like just you being able to do it by yourself? No. And because of the worldwide interest in it from journalists from all over the world, I'm assuming there wasn't anything like it because they were all saying this is a world first. I, I puddled it on really happily, very busily for quite a few years. And then um, I did one on TV, on, on ITV, which is, apart from the BBC, is the biggest TV pro, uh, channel in the UK. And um, a, a producer came on one of the weekends and he came up to me and he said, would you be interested in partnering with me to do one on TV? And I said, yes, absolutely. And that was the first, it was billed as, and it was, in the press it was called the first interactive TV because people were watching all the episodes that we'd filmed and we'd filmed it live. So it, it was filmed like a weekend. Uh, and I remember, talk about head spinning, I was in a bedroom with about eight monitors that were all linked to different cameramen. And I was watching where all the action was happening and telling camera one, go to this, careful because they're about to have a row and and it was very interactive as far as the filming was concerned and then we pieced it all together and um the viewers could see all the rows see all the interactions look at the clues that they they found blackmail notes and stuff Uh, and then they rang in on the saturday night after the last episode and and they in their hundreds and hundreds and said who they thought did it and we picked names out of a hat and they all came to the summing up on the Sunday in the studios. And that again was billed in the press as the first real interactive TV. So I think, I mean, I, there's been so many since, and I have to say none of them as good as I would do, but still. Um, but I, <laughs> true. Um, I mean, in America, there've been loads, been Small Citizens X, and uh, I think CIA did one. And and, and actually, if you can put it out there to the millions of people, I have got a brilliant idea to do for Netflix. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but again, very interactive. 
Um, and I think, you know, now that inter- uh, Netflix are getting into games and with Squid Games and stuff, which was a real water cooler moment, wasn't it, where people were chatting at work and everything. And I think I could do the same with murder. Anyway, um, going back to 1989, that was, I think, the first interactive TV, and certainly Murder Weekends in 81, were, were in all the press were saying it's the first thing. I did hear about one thing, which was in Canada at a hotel in Banff, that was they recreated Cluedo, and that was, I think, in the 70s. But it wasn't, it was just recreating Cluedo, and everybody came as, you know, Miss Scarlet, et cetera. But I don't think it was a, a, a brand new plot with interactive clues and everything the way I do it. The way mine is now is virtually exactly the same as it was in 81. The format is the same. So the first murder, there's always at least three murders on the weekend. There's one on Friday and a couple on Saturday. But usually there are more. So things have happened in the past or things are happening elsewhere. And then the police arrive and they set up an instant room. And the instant room is set up on Saturday morning where the first sort of clues go up. And by the Saturday night, they're updated all the time by the police. And by Saturday night, there's usually about 60 clues. Now, on the cold cases that I've done, there are a minimum of 50 videos of action and police discussions, et cetera, and a minimum of 150 clues. So there's about 10 or 12 per chapter. And so I think people are on averaging saying it takes them in total about 24 hours. But what they get at the end of it is a a realistic murder investigation with a very realistic main plot. All my plots are very complicated. Usually they have a theme to it. Uh, And there's usually a light bulb moment where people suddenly think, I'm sure that murder was something to do with Halloween or whatever it is. And then the light bulb will go on and they go, oh my God, they're they're copying so-and-so or whatever. Um, Or it could be sports or they're always puzzles. I started doing puzzles long before I knew there was this massive community uh, with sort of cryptic codes, for example. When I first read about geocaching, which was, oh, how long ago was that? 10 years ago, something like that. I had a whole plot based on geocaching um, and the guests were looking for postcodes where they were going to find these things. And only l- on the last plot, I've gone from postcodes to now using, what, three words? You know, that thing where you can pinpoint an exact place on the world with three words. And so I sort of, I follow um, the papers very closely. I read lots of papers and I see little nuggets of cuttings. I think, oh, that's interesting. And it might be something that's been talked about three years ago, but then it will suddenly become very current. And I think, oh, I can use that in this plot. That would work really well. So my brain is constantly thinking and working out complicated things. We also know that you're working on some books. Tell us a little bit about that. How was it to go from immersive escape experiences and then write a book because I feel like a lot of people do it the other way. They write a book and then they turn that into something interactive. And then after that, to then have cold cases. And I know you're working on some other books too. Tell us, tell us about all that. Right. Well, I haven't written any books. Well, I've written one book, which was uh, mainly autobiography. Um, so about how, how my life was and how I became what I became. And then there's a middle bit of the book called Carry On Murder. And that's all the funny things that have happened over the last 40 years. 
of which there are numerous hilarious things. And then at the end of it, uh, I did one of my plots. So it was all clues, photos, and that was a, so that was a three-part book. Now, I haven't actually published any books as such. However, I have now got an agent. and We are talking to five publishers. And I'm hoping by the end of this year, then what I'll be doing is translating my book, my plots into books. And we're working on it a lot at the moment. And so far, so good. It's looking pretty good. So, so fingers crossed the books will be coming, I hope, by the end of the year. So, Joy, we've talked a little bit about your live like uh, murder mystery weekends. But can you actually tell us a little about, about the actual cold case murder mystery investigations you do online? So in 2011, it was our 30th anniversary. And I decided then that I would like to give all my guests a sort of thank you present because so many of them are so loyal. They've been coming for 10, 20, 30 years. And so I did two cold cases online, two investigations. And we filmed footage and, um, and it was a fairly simple plot. And then we just gave it to our guests um, almost sort of for free, just as a, a birthday present from us to them. And so we had that footage. Um, and then when people started telling me about Hunter Killer, and, and it sort of got my gander up a bit because they were saying, Joy, yours would be so much better. And, and I wanted to do them, but I didn't have the opportunity. And then on March the 8th, we performed our last weekend for 18 months. And, um, you know, lost a fortune over the 18 months. But as you say, it gave us the opportunity to go back and look at what we could do. And what I did for the first one is I sort of used the, the footage that I'd taken 10 years before and used that as the basis of the new cold case. So the cold case was set in 2021 but the background to all of the stories was the stuff that we filmed 10 years ago. And it worked really well. People loved it. Uh, they all played it says, and said, when's the next one? And we decided to do another one because we were still effectively out of work and, you know, in lockdown. And that one was a brand new starting from scratch. And actually, the second one I liked better just because I knew what I was doing far more. and and. The light bulb moment is one of my finest. And I had people like texting me saying, oh my God, it's three in the morning and I've just had the light bulb moment and it's incredible. And um, that I was so chuffed with that. So even if you get time to play it, scoot to the end and then see the light bulb moment because it's brilliant. <laughs> um, but anyway, the feedback from the first one was so good. But the reviews were brilliant and everybody was saying, we can't believe how cheap it is and it was cheap because I wanted it to be able to be played by the masses and I feel that some of the other games that you play in subscription where you only get six or ten clues each month or whatever I'm doing three brand new plots a year I've written 145 and I think if I can get this played by the masses I can be churning these out and I felt it was almost shortchanging people not to give them the complete plot and for them to have to wait another month. And, and I get the set that, as I said, the financial sense of it, I completely get. But that's not for me. I, I would feel that like I was cheating them a bit, not giving them the whole thing. And, and that's the experience that our guests have on weekends, because on the Sunday, 
when they've worked so hard and they've got it right, they're so tough for themselves. And I, and I just imagine that when you've played it over such a long time, it's like, oh, well, great, you know, we've got it, but, you know, six months down the line or whatever. I just didn't get it. But I was worried that people weren't playing it because they thought it was so cheap. So then for the second one, we changed how it looked. We changed the home page. The plotting was the same. It's still in chapters and people can play it chapter by chapter or they can binge play it. It's up to them. And on average, people say it takes them about 20 hours. I think um, Gillian that reviewed it for Escape the Rumours, I think she did it in about 10 hours, but clearly she threw herself at it. Um, but she loved both of them and said she can't wait for the next one. So we'll try. <laughs> Joy, we want to know now, like you do and have done the live experiences for so long. Now you have the games that are online. In your opinion, what are some of the advantages of the online game compared to the games that you've been doing for decades now? Well, I think one thing is, I, I think that you you do feel part of it. When you're watching the videos, it's like watching a good TV series. You can sort of lose yourself in it as you can with a good book. You lose yourself and become immersed in it. And I think that's that's the good thing about it. The, the second thing I think is good is that it's very realistic. So a lot of the games, box games, you know, they have amazing artwork and, oh, wow, some of them are incredible. But it, it's, it is all a bit fantasy. It's rather than imagining that this is a cold case that's really happening. And, and I think that people do feel that they can be part of the case and they sort of watch the interaction with the um, sergeant and the inspector and they may know more than they do and they may be sort of thinking, oh, no, you're missing a bit or whatever. So I think the interaction is good for the, the sleuthing side of you, but also I think a bit mental health-wise as well because I think particularly during lockdown, people were feeling lonely and distanced from their family. And I've heard from a lot of people that, you know, they used to book like two hours on a Sunday and they'd all play together. And it was a way of them all interacting in the way that they do on weekends. And I think the experience is as close to being on a weekend as possible. Um, on the weekend, obviously, the guests are there for three days and it's incredibly sociable. But one thing that we often are told is that they arrive with the world, you know, the world weight of the world on their shoulders, that, you know, they're going through a messy divorce or whatever it is. But as soon as they walk through the door of the hotel, they meet everybody else that's there and they sort of fall into this golden bubble world where it's all about what's going on. It's all about the characters. And I think to a degree that happens with the cold cases that they can just sort of lose themselves in it, which I think is, you know, a good thing. What can you tell us for the future of your products or like the murder mystery investigations? Is there more cases coming, books, what else? Whatever you'd like to tell us that you can right now, what is there? I would love to do more. I, I enjoyed doing it so much. Um, and we learned so much from the first to the second that I think from there, now on in, they're just going to get better and better. And, and what's beautiful is I have 145 plots sitting, waiting. And the next one I know in my head will be even better. Um, I can't tell you about that one. Um, but to be honest and to be brutally honest, like you said, nobody's heard of me. Uh, nobody's looking for Joyce Swift's murder mystery investigations. And so not enough people are playing them at the moment for me to be saying, okay, I'm going to shut down some of this to do more of this. And I really want lots more players and more people spreading the word. And when more people do, and then come back to me and say, Joy, we're desperate for the next one. As so many people are saying at the moment, 
then when we've got some money in the bank, because I lost so much money, I lost a small fortune during lockdown when we couldn't make any money. Uh, and so at the moment, money is quite tight. And even though the second one costs money, but not, not a vast amount of money, but I still need money coming in. And so now we're back doing murder weekends in hotels. Um, that's sort of taken over my time. And I'm writing a new plot at the moment, which we're performing in a, next month. And that, again, would make a great go. I've got so many cases. And I think I think we did them both in about four months. But now that we know what we're doing, um, if we had money and, and people to help, then um, we could probably, I think, turn them around in three months. So we could probably do four in a year, which is the end, end goal, I think, is to do a lot more. Because the plots, I never repeat plots for the guests. Because we have so many people that have been coming for 10 years or 20 years, I can't remember what I did last week, um, but they will remember plots and they'll say, oh, this is this is very like such and such. So I always write a brand new plot, but I can't perform them again on weekends. But of course, they're all ready to be cold cases. So, yeah, ideally, I would love if a lot of people start playing them, I would love to start turning them out. And the last question is, what other games do you like? We think it's certainly important for people to play other games. What other games do you like to play, Joy? Can be anything, board games, video games, murder style games. What do you like to play? Okay. All I, <laughs> all I can say is I haven't done any. Literally, I haven't done any. Main reason being, it's, it's the same reason I don't read books. Um, because my memory is so useless. I don't read books because I don't want to come up with a brilliant idea and tell all the actors what the next plot is. And then they say, oh, that was in such and such's book a year ago. And for that reason, I don't do anything, really, because I don't want to be swayed from my vision, if you like. Um, and so all of my plots come from newspapers in one form or another. Small little cuttings where, um, for example, a teacher had an affair with a 15-year-old and got away with it, blah, blah, blah. And I think, oh, when I do a school plot, if I do a school plot, that would be quite interesting. Now, it's not that I don't want to, but I don't want to change what I do. I'm, I just want to sort of myopically go down my route and do and not be swayed and not change because of what other people do. Having said that, virtually all of my guests are obsessed with escape rooms and um, with with like Hunter Killer or the Detective Society or all these different things. Uh, and they tell me about them and they say how good they are. Nine times out of 10, they say, Joy, you should be doing that. Like they said to me about doing the cold cases because they said yours will be better. Uh, and maybe they're just biased. But um, yeah, I can tell you who they like, but I can't tell you who I like. And that sounds really awful with your question of saying, you know, to, to spread the creativity. I think do everything. People should do everything and then they should enjoy what they enjoy and decide what they don't and, you know, stick with what they like. But I can't, I can't say any more than that, I'm afraid. So the website is murdermysteryinvestigations.com. There are two cold cases. They're both $9.99, which I think in America is about $13, something like that. And I think when you look at the reviews, which are all genuine reviews, people are astonished at what they, the value that they get, you know, that the amount of work that's gone into it and the amount of time it takes them, but keeps them completely absorbed. I mean, somebody told me that they were playing it on the train 
on their iPad and they shrieked out loud and, you know, people were sort of looking at them. And it was because of this funny row that had happened. And I think it's very absorbing and I, and I really hope that people would enjoy it. Joy, thanks so much. I know we'll be talking to you again. We had a blast playing your games. If you want to find out more about the games that we play, just go to murdermysteryinvestigations.com. This is a great game because you can play it now. It's one of the advantages that we didn't talk about earlier in the review is this is at your disposal anytime. Get into it. It is really, really great. Murdermysteryinvestigations.com again. You can actually go there, learn more about Joy's stuff. If you're in the UK, she's doing those experiences over there. Check it all out. It is really cool what she's doing. Zach, where can people find us? How can people help us out on our journey? Yeah, there's many different things you can do to support Puzzling Company on our journey. Um, one of the big things you can do is support us on Patreon. Uh, you can come join us on Patreon with the other amazing patrons that are on there already. Um, you'd be able to subscribe to one of three different lists or tiers. Um, you'd be able to hang out with us in Discord or do live events with us. And we kind of like we did the puzzle hunt recently. Um, we get to send games to certain people and we get to all play together. It's just a really good time to all get to interact and meet each other and talk about games. You can also leave us a five-star review on wherever you listen to this podcast. If it's iTunes, Google, Stitcher, um, wherever it is, you can gladly leave it there. We'd super appreciate it. Um, and the last thing you can do is go follow us on social media at Puzzling Company on Facebook and on Instagram. It's a great wrap-up. Mm -hmm. Well done. Zach, where are we headed next week? Next week, we're going to be actually getting to play the new Funny Pages. Yeah, by Enigma Emporium. And if we know anything about Enigma Emporium is they're shooting for the stars. These aren't puzzles that you just pick up and look at for a second. You've got to dig. You've got to want it. And I know one of us thoroughly enjoys that process. Oh, yeah. If it's anything like when I did the Wish You Were Here series, I'm very excited to see their next product. Game on. Let's go. We will be with that review fresh off of Kickstarter next week. Until then, this has been Puzzling Company for Jared and Zach. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.